Hey, Heartbreakers. Welcome back to another Breakdown bonus episode with co-worker Justin. What up? Co-worker Justin, you're slowly becoming the star of the show. Uh, am I? You are. <laughs> I feel like I just find things that I disagree with when, <laughs> when, when people say things. I so. listen back to these episodes. I'm like, wow, co-worker Justin really stepping it up this season. <laughs> so Justin and I are going to kick off this episode, but later you'll hear my conversation with the Bachelor franchise's Jacqueline Trumbull. You would remember her from Ari season. There was a little bit of tea going down in Bachelor Nation a couple weeks ago. She posted on her Instagram that she was in Portugal where she was supposed to get married but it turns out two weeks beforehand she canceled the wedding so you know me I'm nosy I'm insane I was like hi do you want to come on and talk to me about it and so she's going to join me later and talk about the experience of canceling a wedding and breaking off an engagement and also she listened to this week's main episode so we also tie that back in and she relates to the episode and talks about some of the parts that resonated with her so we're going to hash out the episode that we just had this week where it was this person that I got reconnected with who got cheated on at her engagement party. By the way, a bold move from the dude's perspective. Like, bro, right next to her? That's what I mean. You're like next to, I can't even fathom, one, doing anything like that in general, but two, doing it while that said person is next to you. So I don't know if we made this explicit enough on the recording, but when we were out to dinner and stuff, she said that allegedly <laughs> he was fingering the girl next mm-hmm. to her. It wasn't just like a hand up the no, skirt it was situation. Like a full on, yeah. The stuff was happening. <laughs> so, so, juices were flowing oh to God, not be no, 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 oh no. Let's just start from the beginning. So, from a girl's perspective, she's like literally talking about my worst nightmare. I have literal nightmares about getting engaged to the wrong person because I wouldn't say I have commitment issues in a relationship, but I definitely have like an anxious attachment style where, like, sure. when I get committed to someone, I'm like, is this right? Is this, this uh, is the thing? Yeah. Yeah. And sure. so then to have like your family and also finances invested in a relationship, it gives me a feeling of like, not suffocation, but like maybe feeling trapped and like you can't can't get out of it. You can't get out if there's a problem. And that's like a big, you know, like don't buy a house with the person before because then things get a little dicier if you're not going to go forward. That's what Nicole and I did. Like we had been dating for four or five plus years and we were considering buying a house, but we were like, we're not engaged or married. So let's do that first. Um, But that conversation came up. It's like, what would you rather do? Would you rather put the money towards an engagement and a wedding and all this stuff and then buy a house or the opposite. And we were both kind of like, I wouldn't mind buying a house with you, but we're not locked in. So like, we don't want to really set up a situation like that. Yeah. Well, she mentioned in the episode, she was like, I think you need to move in with somebody before you get engaged. I agreed with that so much. You do? That's the one thing. That's where I disagree. See, I I know. And you said it was a hot take and I was like, no, I completely agree because you could move when you're living together. You just see a whole different side of that person. Mm -hmm. Like when you're dating, it's fine. And yes, the person comes over and stays the night and all that stuff. Living together, like being with that person at their most comfortable is a sight that needs to be seen. (laughs) I don't disagree with what you're saying and the points that you're making. You are going to see a different side to this person. You are going to start to get annoyed with their little quirks because you're surrounded by them 24-7. Like Nicole hates that I leave cabinets open. And I don't know why. Shut the cabinets, Justin. (laughs) I don't know why I forget to close them. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm the one cooking. You go close the cabinets. Like, what do you want from me? It's just little thing. It'll be little things like that. And if there's enough of those little things living together, then that's probably enough of a few mini red flags to 
be one big red flag of like, hey, there's something deeper here. So that was my thought with the with the whole living together situation. So here's why it was a hot take for me. To me, if you combine finances or any kind of living situation with someone that you're dating, mm-hmm. to me, that's like you're basically becoming married to that person. Well, not yes. legally, not no, but on there paper. Was, and there is a level of that. Like, oh, you got married. Are you guys so excited? And we're like, uh, once we get back from the honeymoon, it's just like back to what we were doing. Like, it's that's no, what I mean. There's it's nothing like, special about it now. But I think that's kind of like why I liked it is I knew when we were getting engaged, I already knew what it was going to be like. We had been doing it for two plus years. We like knew how it was going to be and we knew that we could live with each other. And well, to me, if you're going to make any decision like that, like even with episode one where they like lived together in the same apartment and like got a car together. Yeah. You have to be prepared. You have to know in your mind that you could break up so much easier because you're yes. not married yeah. and it's still going to be the same trouble as a divorce because you're right. splitting things up. Right. And that's, you know, like same thing with the car stuff. Nicole and I hadn't done that until we got married and, and we didn't want to do that until we were legally together. It's more than just like, all right, well, see ya. <laughs> exactly. So at that point, it's like you're going to be taking the hits of a marriage and, you know, getting the benefits and like convenience yeah. of a marriage. But at the same time, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's a hot take. So, okay. So they had moved in together and then got engaged and then <laughs> things start to get a little dicey when this engagement party happens. And to our knowledge, this is the only person he's cheated on her with. And it happens right in front of her, <laughs> right She's, next to her in the I mean, Uber. <laughs> just seriously, in the Uber. That's so aggressive. <laughs> in the Uber. And then back and, and they get to the apartment and he starts DMing her on his Instagram. Yeah. Maybe the guy tries to talk it up. I was like, I was just drunk at that. But if you're going to do that, hey, the person you're dating is right next to you. <laughs> like, right next to you. And so <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. I listened to so many of these stories that now I'm kind of on her side too, where I'm like, I think I do need whoever I'm dating's Instagram password. Uh, that was one of the things I disagreed with. That Why she do you said. disagree with that? The concept of needing it from a guy's perspective is like, what, don't you trust me? I have nothing to hide. So like Nicole makes fun of me all the time. My phone doesn't have a lock screen at all because mm-hmm. I got nothing to hide. If you want to go through my phone, go through it. But from the perspective of you being like, I need it, that's going to make me get defensive. Like, whoa, hey, I'll tell you the code. I'll let you onto my phone whenever you want. But like, it's still my stuff. So if I want to feel like I can guard it, I can. And from like a perspective of like, I guess for me, like if I feel like if I even have to do that, that would already be a red flag in my mind that maybe this isn't the relationship I should be in. I don't really necessarily feel like I need their password, but it's more of like I would want them to be open to it. Like, yes, if not defensive about it. I don't want to say guarantee, but I, 90% of the time when your girlfriend, wife has your phone, you're a little on edge. I and don't it, blame you. I, I would I would feel the same way. And it's not from like, a, oh my gosh, I don't want to see her. Uh, I don't want her to see me texting these girls. It's just more like guys have a way of talking to each other that's really gross. <laughs> and so like you don't want, you know, it's just weird, you know? But chances are if I have your Instagram password, I'm not looking through the messages of like the guys that you're messaging. I'm looking to see like Stacy right. and Michelle. Well, what are and, you guys talking about? But like, so like to that, down the line, my roommate in college and actually friend for a really long time, he passed away. Not to get like dark on anybody, but he passed away. And so when his wife took over his kind of accounts on social media to turn them into uh, memorialized mm-hmm. pages, <laughs> she was sending me screenshots of stuff me and him <laughs> talked about. I'm talking about in like middle school when Facebook just came oh out. Gosh. And I was like, this is not a, like, uh, this is stuff one, I forgot we were saying to each other. And two, not okay for you to be seeing. Like, Yeah, I could care less what you said back in 08. I just want to know what you and Stacey are chatting about. Yeah, like during so, the time. So yeah, yeah I, think, I think for me, if I feel like, if I get into a relationship and I feel like I need the Instagram password, that's going to be like a, mm, maybe I don't trust this person and that's a red flag. That could be a sign, yes. That I should be breaking up with them, not just like getting the Instagram password, but also kind of like, want them to be a little open about it. Yeah, you should, if, if the person's not willing to let you on, that's probably a little bit of a sign. 
fine. I feel like this is a topic that people would be kind of divisive about. So if you're listening to this on Spotify, scroll down to the Q&A section and let me know, like, what do you think the boundaries are should be with having the passcodes to your partner's phone, to their Instagrams? Like, do you think you guys should have each other's passwords or do you think that's too invasive? Do you think you should have some level of privacy in a relationship? Let us know. I'll read them on the next Thursday episode, which speaking of, we did the same thing for last week. I asked you what you considered cheating, if you could ever forgive Mm. any kind of cheating. And this is what our listeners had to say. So this person said, nope, I was cheated on for two years and it was all 0.5 cheating, as Justin (laughs) likes to call it, where Uh. it's just emotional cheating. I guess that's just 0.5 cheating. It it is emotional. It's point. Yeah. I just kept giving him grace because it wasn't quote unquote real cheating. Sure. That form was so manipulative that I lost myself completely. I could see how it could get to a point like that, but I still feel like I like in terms of anger level, I'm more angry if you physically do it than emotionally do it, I guess. Yeah. I think the bottom line is either way, whether it's physical or emotional cheating, it's still some kind of betrayal. Yeah. And I think it depends on the level of commitment you have with this person. If you've been with someone for 10 years and they slip up because they're flirting with somebody at Publix one day. (laughs) They left the pineapple upside down in the (laughs) shopping cart. Falling in love in the gummy section. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, again, that's something you might be able to work through. Although I'm not, I'm assuming you're not going to know what they're doing in the gummy (laughs) aisle, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Next person said, nope, I could never forgive any kind of cheating. Any cheating is generally something the person is not proud of. That could be fair. Yeah. It's like if you wouldn't want your partner to know about it, it's cheating. I mean, kind of. Like, I feel like it's a gray area where it's not great. I have the problem of classifying, like, I don't even know what would be lower than, like, emotionally cheating in this scenario. What would be 0.75 cheating, <laughs> yeah. Justin? I'm, well, I'm trying to think of, like, 0.3% cheating. You know what I mean? Like, what would be the step below emotionally cheating? Like, that right there? Maybe, like, a flirting in the gummy section at Yeah, Publix. maybe, yeah. It's, it's something, you know? It, like, that to me. Or, okay, I mean, because I have a bachelor party coming up. It's a bunch of dudes getting together. There's a good chance a strip club happens. Oh, Does that's me, a whole other discussion. That's what I mean. Does me going to that, because I'm not going to feel great about it, yeah. but I also can't not go in a way, if that makes sense. Like, if everybody else at the bachelor party's going, mm-hmm. you can't be the, be the guy that's like, I'm well, not going. I, I think there's a difference between going to a strip club and, like, getting a lap dance. Yeah, and I won't. I've actually never once gotten a lap dance at those places. I don't I don't really want to do that. But, like, in that sense, like, I wouldn't feel great about it. Yeah. But I'm not going to not tell Nicole. Like, she mm-hmm. already knows. Yeah. She's already giving me crap for going. I haven't even gone. <laughs> I think just because the context changes, like, just because it's somebody's job doesn't make it okay for them to right. get up close and personal with you. Right. My opinion there. Um, so that to me would be 0.75 cheating. <laughs> 0.7. But that's <laughs> what I'm saying is like that. scale of so cheating. I'm, I am sadly I'm cheating this week. No. I need to make a graphic for you where we have like a sliding scale, of, scale what, of it. Yeah. Like what 1.0 cheating is. It's like going all the way. <laughs> right, and then right. 0.25 cheating is just getting a little like flirty at the club. Yeah. We need a whole <laughs> we need a whole scale so we can. Where on this chart was it cheating? <laughs> so this next person said the earlier the cheating happens, the less willing I would be able to work it out. It's hard to say what I would do with someone for 20 plus years. Emotional cheating, physical sexting, it's all cheating. I agree with the earlier cheating being easier to, to just off. move on. Yeah, because like, the agree. emotional level, I mean, you're still invested, but you're not as invested as somebody that's been dating for 25 yeah. years. Because my commitment to making a relationship work is going to change based off of like, if I'm married to you. If I'm married to you and if yeah. I pledged my life to you, alright, if you want to work it out, we can work it out. Right. But if I met you a month ago and we haven't even DTR'd. Also, like, if you just get out of that like honeymoon stage, yeah. that like new relationship honeymoon stage, that's when it's the approach kind of changes. Okay, last one said, once a cheater, always a cheater. <laughs> well, that is true. I don't know. You think it's true? I think if you're willing to push the boundaries early on, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be willing to push the boundaries. If you 
like going out and drinking one beer, you're probably going to get to a point where you're going out and drinking two beers mm-hmm. and then three beers and then four beers. And I know that's more of like an alcohol tolerance thing. That's the same way with cheating. Like You're I feel always like going to be pushing the limits. And that's why I think, you know, the 0.5 cheating is a sign of things that can go negative worse down the line. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't want to put them all just into one basket of cheating. I want it to be like a level thing. <laughs> it's a sliding scale of cheating. Yeah. yeah, I think in just my experience of guys that I know have cheated, I actually don't know any girls that have cheated, but maybe it's because they're lying to me. Just kidding. Go talk to my exes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the guys that I know that have cheated, it was never a one-off thing. Like it was always mm-hmm. something that happened in multiple relationships or happened over like a span of the entire relationship. So I think anybody can grow and change and I think we should give people the opportunity to do that. But yeah, it's definitely that's something that makes my ears go yeah, you notice it quicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, also just like if you don't want to be with someone, you don't have to be with them. Right. Break up. Break up. That's why I was so <laughs> proud of this girl. She just broke up within the moment she found out. She, I didn't she think that's how off. that was going to go. I thought it was going to be like, oh, I cut it off and then I went back and then we're still kind of talking now. You know, that's yeah. what I thought it was going to go. We get a lot of those stories. So I think this has been like a really empowering season where it's been these girls who finally like once they've had enough, like they've had enough. Yeah. They're done. You just got They're be cutting done. it off. And, and that's think, the way it should be. It might be. Yeah. Good. Well, also to be fair like this girl needed a reason to break it off Mm -hmm. she was like I don't really have a concrete thing to be able to say hey I want this to end because love marriage and babies is what she wanted and And this was how she was going to get it that was something that stuck out to me in the episode too when she said her heart dropped and you proposed because that's obviously not a good sign if that was your first thought everyone always asked me like when we were doing our wedding and even you know the the stereotypical like oh are you ready like you're standing in the back drinking with your friends like are you ready are you good and I was like I don't know what what are you talking about like I, all I'm going down there is saying I do to something that I already know we're doing. We're already <laughs> doing this. Nothing is changing Nothing here. is changing here. So I'm not nervous at all. Yeah. So yeah. I never got the whole, like, are you nervous side of it. Mm-hmm. I was more nervous because I'm like, now I have to say all these really nice things to Nicole in front of like 50,000 people, it feels like. My family has to know that I like like somebody. Yeah. Can I just <laughs> hide it still? <laughs> Being emotionally vulnerable in front of my parents couldn't be me. It is a weird feeling to be like up there reading vows to each other when there's just a bunch of people sitting there and talking. And then having to kiss them in front of everybody. Is that weird for you? I, I didn't just, mind the kissing. I, I didn't mind that. I mind I the thing like the, we wrote our own vows Aww. um which, which I, Nicole got mad at me because I wrote them drunk the night before. What? Yeah. I she like had to. hers all planned out and mine was just like drunk scribble on a <laughs> on a napkin. There's like a much. beer stain on it. Pretty much. Oh um, my gosh. That part was weirder to me whereas like she already knows all these things that I'm saying to yeah. her but now I have now I'm saying them in front of a bunch of people that are like now Uncle Jimmy knows about it. Yeah, they're like five beers deep. They're just sitting there waiting for us to get this over with so they can keep drinking. Like, they don't want to hear what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're only here because I told them I was going to do this. So I don't know. It's a weird concept. The whole marriage thing is, it's great, but it's a very weird day. So I just went to a wedding literally yesterday Mm -hmm. and they had a full on make out in front of us and we were like, oh, hello. You have to. You know why? Why? You have to. So the photographers can get their photos. You're not allowed to just do a peck. You have to. You have to hold it for a few minutes so that they can get all these photos. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way because we were sitting there like, this is a spicy I mean, wedding. you know, you're you're both very excited, so there's a little bit of that. But also, like, the, the photographers, I don't know if theirs did, but ours were like, when you kiss, one, like, hold it. Like, you can't just, like, peck and then move away. Like, you yeah. gotta hold that kiss so we can get a bunch of photos of it. Yeah. You know, they, they told us to count to, like, six or seven. So after, like, three, I'm like, alright. <laughs> we're we're done. Just, let's just hang out here for a second. <laughs> like, uh, it's weird. So yeah, that's where our story ends. She had the balls to finally break it off. And not just break it off, she decided to move to a major 
city after this, mm-hmm. which is a huge change for this person because mm-hmm. without giving too much away about like her identity, but she's very much like the wholesome, like wants to be married and live in the suburbs and have a family. So the fact that she moved to this major city out of nowhere was huge for Went her. Went through a major rebrand. Yeah, I know. It was like a major <laughs> rebrand. She, I mean, this was kind of like this, the plot line for like a coming of age film. I'm going to move to San Fran and I'm going to live my young single life mm-hmm. and try and move on. And I think that speaks to the bravery that she has to start from scratch. When I ask people in their relationships why they decided to go back to the person or why they decided to stay with this person that cheated on them or did Mm -hmm. them wrong in some way, they say uh, essentially like I invested so much into the relationship that I wanted like a return on my investment essentially or I thought something that really breaks my heart what they say is they say I didn't think I could do better or I didn't think anybody else would love me Mm -hmm. and so it takes a lot of bravery to choose yourself over. I have a lot of friends that are are doing similar to that where they feel like they're running out of time. That's another part of it. Like uh, you know because on paper today I saw that my birthday that I was 31 and I don't know why seeing that I was like oh I'm so old uh, but I have friends that are like I'm running out of time and I'm like you're not running out of time but they they feel that way so they go on these dates with people that just aren't from a outside perspective are not compatible yeah. like you guys do not match I know you and I just from the little bit I learned about her profile or whatever it is like you guys it's don't not match a good fit. Yeah. and you're just you're trying to fit a square into a circle and it's just not going to work like what are we doing here I talked about this last week with Lily from the Day Brazen podcast where she was talking about the worst ages for men and women Mm -hmm. and like 29 is the worst age for men Mm -hmm. because it's the first time you experience the biological clock fear that women have all the time anyway because (laughs) the fear that maybe you felt at 29 although you were dating Nicole at that time or married or whatever we felt that our entire life we were like we have to find someone because then it's going to take two years to date and then I got to plan the wedding and then I only have one year to have a kid after that that's the worst age for men and then I think 31 is like the worst age for women because that's like when it's like really crunch time when I hit 25 me and my friends are all 25 now we kind of or like, oh, we thought we'd be married by now. Ooh, we ooh. thought, yeah. But I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I, I get it and I understand the whole side of it. But it's like, you know, technology's gotten a lot better that can help with certain situations. It's not that... helping, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, my wife is the same way. She she wants to be done having kids by 30. She is 27. Oh, there's the time so, clock. <laughs> so as somebody that's 31, I'm like, oh, hey, whoa, hey. <laughs> but her whole thing is, you know, once you get to a certain age, it becomes harder, obviously. And I'm always like, like, Janet Jackson had a kid at 50. We'll be fine. <laughs> I know. It's it's better now, but it's still like... It's still scary. It's still scary. Yep. This, this is a whole other discussion. So well, I will wrap it up. Um, <laughs> basically just saying it was you know really brave for her to break up with this guy that would have given her the for guaranteed sure. life that she wanted. And she had the bravery to go off and do something else. It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing. Summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear. There is Hibernation Abbey and there is Summer Abbey. And Summer Abbey likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up in a jiffy. And you're probably like, ew, refrigerated meal. That must be so unhealthy and gross. No, I can confirm these are delicious. And they have so many different options like calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. You can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. You get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factor's ready to eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? Not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart. Protein Plus and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there's so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. And you know who else had that bravery? This week's guest. We're about to jump into an interview with Jacqueline Trumbull from the Bachelor franchise. A couple weeks ago, it came out that she called off her wedding. I think it was two weeks before and decided to go to Portugal where she was supposed to get married with her entire friends and family and celebrate her new single life there. So we're going to hash out what happened there and also just talk about, you know, what it's like to call off a wedding right before. She also relates to the story and we talk about that as well. So stay tuned to hear it. Hello, Anna. Welcome. We've got Jacqueline Trumbull from the Bachelor franchise on to react to this week's episode. Jacqueline, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I hope that you're doing okay. I know um, it's probably been a really chaotic couple of weeks, but glad that you took some time to chat with us. I just want to check in with like how you're doing. I know you just canceled a wedding and I'm sure that's been really overwhelming. Yeah, I canceled it two weeks before the wedding, um, which obviously sucked. The wedding was supposed to be July 9th. So, you know, it's been a month or I guess it's been a month and a half. And you think I would need more time to grieve, but I think it, it was a pretty constraining relationship and the breakup has showed me that it was definitely the right thing to do. I feel like I'm thriving right now. I'm in my own place. I've got my cat. I'm dating again. I'm all a girl needs is a cat and a, an apartment to herself. That's what I've learned at the very least. And I saw that you still went to Portugal. That's where the wedding was supposed to be. I did. He did too. We just were oh. separate. You know, we were both with our own wedding guests. Oh, that's so fun. What'd you do in Portugal? Well, we tried to salvage everything we could from what we had spent. So, you know, and I, it, it had been all of my funds that went to the wedding. So, um, you know, we went on the catamaran. We had booked, we had the rehearsal dinner and then obviously we didn't have anything from the day of the wedding but we still visited the venue which was beautiful kind of depressing but <laughs> actually I had, a, I had a villa with all my friends and I don't know we just hung out drank I, I mean yeah. it sounds like it was pretty civil so that's so cool that you were still able to like enjoy the experience of getting to go to Portugal even though it didn't end in a wedding but hey you still have the cat the apartment yeah. so you listened to this week's episode and we're gonna hash it out but I, I'm interested like did that bring up negative feelings because it was like a somewhat of a situation that you went through or was it comforting to hear that somebody else, you know, also canceled the wedding right before? <laughs> yeah. I mean, our situations were really different, you know, canceling the wedding part. I suppose that was more comforting than anything, although I wouldn't really wish it on my worst enemy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel so secure in my decision. I feel like the breakup has the way he's acted has like proven why I, why I left. So I, I don't feel like super sad about it, I guess. What have been some of the things that you've had to work through? Because obviously like canceling a wedding makes a breakup already so much more public than it already would yeah. be. You're just kind of like shutting things down. Like what was the hardest part for you about having to make the decision? And then also just kind of dealing with the aftermath of everything. It was really hard to hurt him. He really loved me very intensely. And I, and I don't say that to brag about myself. He's just somebody who loves really intensely. Like he, he feels, he feels love really intensely. And he also feels pain. 
pain really intensely. I think knowing I was going to hurt him in such a public way, it's not like I, it's not like I planned it in advance. The events started unfolding that just, it brought out all the flaws in our relationship and it kind of came to a head at a certain point. So, I mean, it certainly was not something that I was like planning to do. Nobody's planning a breakup at all. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've learned um, doing this podcast, it's not in the plan. Yeah. So that was awful. And then, you know, I think it, it was a lot of pressure to make a decision one way or another before the wedding happened. And the earlier, the better. I would say hurting him, doing it in such a public, potentially humiliating way. You know, I questioned it for a good month. We we, we, st- we kept in touch for that month and I definitely questioned and doubted a lot. And that was scary. All of that. And then moving out, coming home from Europe and having to go back into the space where we were in love and breaking up the pets. That really sucked. He kept a dog and a cat. I took a cat. Having to choose custody of the fur babies, I'm sure must have been brutal. In this situation for this episode, I can imagine maybe you could relate to some of the feelings that she had where in her gut, she was kind of like, I don't think something's right Mm -hmm. here. And then she kind of got lucky. I mean, lucky is a a bad way of putting it. (laughs) I could imagine that made the decision for her easy because it's like, okay, this is a very tangible thing for me to be able to cut it off. For you, like, did you struggle with the feeling of like ambiguity of like, maybe there's, there's not like one thing here. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of like this lingering feeling. I did. I think my problem is that I've always kind of been, I've always had some commitment issues. And so with him, when the doubts came in, I really pushed them down and invalidated them because I'm like, maybe this is just who I am. Maybe I'm not one who just feels fully good and right in a relationship. And me loving him was saying, okay, I'm going to override my almost like relationship OCD symptoms. And I'm going to choose him over the anxiety. And I still frankly don't know what to do with that because I don't know what's going to happen in my next relationship. Like, is that going to happen again? Was my body and mind just telling me like, run, this isn't right for you. I had an event. It wasn't as concrete as cheating, but it resulted in my friends really backing me and telling me they were concerned. And so I think that outside perspective really precipitated things, but it was not nearly as concrete as cheating. They have such an objective opinion of what's going on because you've got like all the positive emotions. I mean, the negative ones too, but you know, it's sometimes easier to focus on those. I think when they kind of intervene, it's sort of like, okay, this might be my tangible thing to Uh make a decision about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a psychology student or you are studying psychology or mental health. So have you been like, like psychoanalyzing yourself throughout like this relationship process of you breaking this off. I've always wondered if people who study that kind of have to like self-diagnose and like self-treat themselves in that way, if that makes sense. I mean, a hundred percent throughout the whole relationship, I was, you know, psychoanalyzing myself. A lot of it was like, okay, there are these societal stories about how the proposal is the best day of your life, how when it's the one, it's the one you just know. And the proposal was awesome, but it's not like there was ever some windfall moment of like, this is the absolute right person for me. And I I was trying to figure out whether that's because of me, whether that's because of the relationship or whether it's because society is telling kind of a false story. So that was a lot of what I was analyzing. In terms of now, I mean, I'm interested in the question of how do we process? My friends are really pushing me to get a therapist and take time to process. And I'm like, I don't really want want to. I kind of just want to like date and have a good time. I I don't really know in in a sense, like what is necessary necessary to do after a huge breakup like that. I mean, it's already hard enough having to go through it. And then on top of it, having to cancel a wedding and then the thought of going to therapy and then having to know that you're going to tackle a lot of hard emotions (laughs) every single week for an hour, I could imagine is not appealing. Like, let's just go out on some dates. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm a therapist, like, so I totally advocate therapy. I just... 
I don't feel like I have a goal for it. Like, I don't know what my, I, I, cause I just, be, I just feel happy right now. So I'm like, I don't know if I need therapy, but maybe I'm just kidding myself. <laughs> <laughs> Only time will tell. Only time yeah. will tell. So you, you've, you talked about something that I kind of get afraid of, afraid of in relationships of like never knowing if I'll feel, you know, when you know, you know, I, I guess leading up to the actual decision to get engaged and married, like what were some <laughs> things that you identified as like marriage material? Like were, were you kind of like, okay, this feels like this could fit that box that I'm trying to check so to speak. Yeah, he was very committed and he was very loyal in the sense that there were, I, I think cheating was pretty outside the realm of possibility. So that was one thing that was different from me and the girl from this episode. He, it, and the thing is, is cheating is actually not my worst fear in a relationship. So it's it's kind of interesting that I, I, I don't know, it's, it's very important for the person to be committed, obviously. He wanted a lot of time with me, which I thought would be good for having kids. So like he, it was, he was always gonna be around. He was not somebody who like wanted to go out with the bros and watch sports. Um, he was very dedicated to the relationship. You know, I mean, we shared a lot of interests. He got along with my family very well, which was really big to me. Yeah, I'd say those. Are, uh, I, I I liked that he had like a variety of hobbies and I felt like we could have an interesting life together. What made him different than like guys you've dated in the past? It's a big commitment to, to commit your life to someone. So was there one thing where you're kind of like, you know what, I think this could be it, even though you didn't have that sort of like, ah, oh, moment. In the beginning of the relationship, I was very like, wow, this guy's so different. I Maybe he is the one. And I rushed in really quickly. I would say the difference between him and previous men was that he was not confused about what he wanted. He was definitely down to get married, have kids. Well, he, he wasn't sure about kids for like the first two weeks of the relationship. And then I made him choose and he, <laughs> he wanted kids. He was never questioning whether he wanted me. I had spent so much time with men where I just felt like I had to fight to be worthy in a way, or I just flat out wasn't interested in them. And this was definitely different. Yeah. Oh, and he was also really emotionally vulnerable. You said something earlier that I found really interesting because for me, I think my biggest maybe not fear in a relationship, but my biggest deal breaker is loyalty. If I'm just dating somebody, I think if you're married or like engaged, different story. But you said that that's not your biggest fear. Yeah. What is your biggest fear in a relationship? Probably being fundamentally misunderstood or feeling like I can't be comfortable being myself. And then the other is manipulation. And 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 manipulation often happens within the context of cheating. It's just, I put the manipulation higher than the like physical act of them being with somebody else. A relationship should be your safest space. So that totally makes sense. I mean, did you experience any of that to where you're kind of like my biggest fears are starting to come to life or no yeah I think we had really different values about being in a relationship and um and he I think because he experiences emotions so strongly it was hard for him to accept a lot of things about me um jealousy was an issue even though I never cheated I never looked at another man I mean but you know questions of like it, it was hard for me to talk about my past dating history for instance I definitely got to the point where there were so many different topics of conversation or facts about myself or stories from the past that I just felt like I couldn't talk about. And that made me feel like a, I had to watch what I said and B, there was almost like a, a lack of really wanting to know who I am at my core. I mean, now that this relationship has come to an end, like, do you have fears moving forward? Like, is marriage still something you want? Your desires in a relationship? Like, how do you think those have changed? One thing I'm really looking for a couple of things. One is emotional maturity. I don't want to feel like I am at the mercy of my husband's 
emotions. That doesn't mean I don't care about them. That doesn't mean I don't empathize with him. But if I'm constantly worried about, well, can he control his emotions? What's going to happen if he gets upset? Then that's not a safe way to feel. I'm looking for somebody who is not afraid of listening to me, about hearing things about me. And that's what I've really been experiencing since dating again is like meeting men who just don't, I, I don't know, they're just not put off by the things that I say. They like actually want to know about me. And, and he did too in many ways. There were just too many kind of landmines and just kind of like, I just don't want to be fighting all the time. I think that's, I want a peaceful relationship. Yeah. So yeah, emotional maturity and actually wanting to know me and just kind of like, I just don't want to be fighting all the time. I think that's, I want a peaceful relationship. I always feel like an, an, a relationship should always be just something that like makes your cup run over. And if it's just like training you, it's just simply not worth it at all. Are there any fears that you have about the healing process? Like, do you think you're going to wake up one day and it all hits you? Or do you think this is more of a relief? I do have that fear. I, I have the fear that I'm maybe sprinting into the next thing. But the problem is that I don't really want to stop myself from doing things because I'm worried about some future scenario that has come to pass. I think I'm being pretty honest with people I'm dating, with friends, being like, look, like I just went through this. It was very large. Here's how I feel right now. I'm leaving some space for myself to go through something emotionally in the future. I think what really sucked about the breakup and what sucks about a lot of breakups is that you start and this is the, you start with a person you're closest to in your entire life. You're extremely close, then you break up. And then for a while, there maybe is still this time period of like, oh, I want you back. I miss you so much. And then at some point that breaks further because you're mourning in different ways and anger comes in and betrayal comes in and it, ju it just completely ruptures. And that's been pretty bad. <laughs> It, you know, I'm somebody who would rather stay friends with exes, even if it's hard. Like I, I like to honor the place they've had in my life. I don't feel like he's being very nice to me anymore. Um, and so that confirms a lot of things, confirms my reasoning. And so there's a lot of clarity and closure in that. I mean, a lot of that might just be retaliation because of the hurt and yeah, infection. Like you said, like you're very empathetic in the sense that this is a very public way to break up. But I mean, yeah, people are going to mourn in different ways and that might come out as anger. If you see engagement and marriage in your future, like, how would you like to feel? The one thing that I really took away from this episode is like when this girl got proposed to, it was like my heart sunk. I felt mm -hmm. like this was the wrong thing. In that moment when you got proposed to, did it feel anything like that? Or were you actually in that moment feeling like this might be right? And if not, how would you like to feel next time this comes around? I didn't have that heart sinking feeling during my proposal. We had talked about it pretty exhaustively and I knew it was coming. And he did it in such a lavish, shocking way that I think my primary emotion was like, oh my God. <laughs> did he flash mob you? What, what was so extravagant about it? Uh, I was in California for, uh, we were making like a documentary and I was with friends and he, he surprised me in California with all of my friends and family. Well, not all of them, but he, he flew. He had like 11 friends fly out. Like my parents were there, friends were there. And I was like on set of this documentary thinking I was just filming B-roll. And then he he walked out and proposed. He's some he's a big person. He's a big personality. And he would do these incredible things, these incredible acts of love. And that was another thing that really drew me to him. But I think in the future, I might just want to feel at peace. <laughs> 
I think I'm looking for a sense of greater freedom with somebody than without somebody. I mean, I think there was a time in my life where I felt like being with somebody was naturally constraining because it, it meant I couldn't date other people. But now I'm thinking of it more in terms of secure attachment. Like when you love somebody and you feel really understood and safe with them, then you feel freer to be yourself, um, knowing that you have this, you know, this rock, um, this person who supports and loves you. And then you kind of go out into the world with greater confidence. So that's what I'm looking for next. If anybody's listening and is maybe in a relationship that they're unsure about ending, maybe they, maybe they're engaged. What is a piece of advice that you would give them to either give them the courage to break things off or some advice to give them more clarity as to whether or not this could be the right relationship or it could be the wrong relationship? So that's a great question <laughs> because I've still not, I, I wrestled with this decision so much. Um, I guess I would say, ask your friends and family to be honest with you about what they've observed. And this is coming, like my friend of mine recently got divorced and it, it was after actually my ex-fiance told her what he really thought about her husband that she finally got the courage to say oh my god I've been seeing these things too I would say a divorce is a lot more expensive than a wedding I lost a ton of money I lost my wedding budget that really sucks and it was a fairy tale wedding I had planned and I think that really made me want to stick with it a lot longer it's just not worth it and I think there's this sense when you're in it that losing the wedding is going to be the biggest deal in the world and losing this life together that it's just like your life is all of a sudden you're it's just lost when in reality i think it's just that one possible road that you were about to take has been blockaded and you're just going to go down another one and life is going to start again and it's going to be great i mean it, in other words it was easier to move on easier to see a future for myself than i thought it would be that's incredible to be able to move on after having to make such a big decision I talked to a lot of people obviously about their breakups and when i asked them like why they decided to stay it's always like basically to sum it all up like the cost of leaving always felt more monumental mm -hmm. than just choosing to work through it instead. It was more comfortable to stay with what they know. So it's very brave of you to, to be able to make a big financial decision to leave and then also just a big emotional decision to choose not to have that future with this person. Well, that's amazing. Do you have any other words of wisdom? Any, anything else you want to drop before I, I close this out? I, I have this sense that I have, a, I have a sense that the next relationship will be better than the last one. <laughs> and so if you feel like you're just not in a great relationship, I would save some space for hope that the, the conditions that brought you into this relationship are not necessarily the conditions that you're going to take into the next one. Like I feel a lot more mature, grounded. I feel a lot more open to commitment and relationships. My ex-fiance and I, that was my first serious relationship. And so I think he had to deal with a lot of bullshit for me, like not being ready for certain things, being really scared of the relationship and that made him very insecure. And now going forth, I feel like I can offer better things. And so I think that sets me up for a better relationship. And so if you're if you're thinking about leaving but you're scared, just maybe realize like you have more to bring. You can you can have a better relationship next time. Taking something away from the relationship and then making it something you can offer to the next person. And hopefully mm -hmm. the next person, you know, is the right person. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on and talking about broken engagements and the experience of what that was like. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it and enjoy talking with you. Well, thanks so much for having me on.